All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to Oilers Nation Radio, presented by The Nation Network. Subscribe for free on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, Oilers Nation Radio, episode number 113. Here I am, Bag Milk, joined by Rick, Nation Dan, and Tyler Remchuk. We are here to break down all matters of the NHL and the Edmonton Oilers. Tyler's got a nice little smile on his face right now. We're doing this a little bit differently today, boys. Yeah. We are recording this via Zoom, and then we are going to break this down into some video clips of everything that's going on. I'm watching Tyler right now. His eyes are darting around the screen. Yeah. There's all kinds of shit happening. I'm looking at Rick. I'm looking at Dan. I'm looking at all kinds of things. Um, yeah, I'm going to be honest. Looking back at me today. I'm, I'm going to be honest. I'm a little bit worried that my laptop is not going to make it through this. Um, but we'll see. If we get a full pod in, we get a full pod. Your, your face your is lagging like crazy also. <laughs> on my end. I don't know if that's just my internet or what's going no, on. No, no, I saw that too. <laughs> if your laptop bursts into flames, please make sure you film it for the content. Yes, yes absolutely. We are trying something new here. So if this episode crashes and burns in the middle of it, it's because we're trying to make adjustments on the fly. But first, I want to start off by thanking our friends at Sherwood Ford the Giants, out in beautiful Sherwood Park, Alberta. It's time to winterize your vehicle, be it with some service, maybe some new tires, or maybe you just want to buy a brand new whip. You know, four by four. Edmonton, we're probably getting, I feel like we've gotten as much snow this year so far as we did all of last year. So maybe you want a giant deal on a new vehicle see what i did there tyler mm-hmm. i like it thank you thank you very much you can go ahead and follow him on twitter at your the sherwood ford giant question of the week is centered around uh oilers prospects because they're pretty much all in action whether it's in europe or in the case of one dylan holloway down at the ncaa now up at canada's camp for the world juniors but short Ford giant question which oilers prospect currently in the system excites you the most mm. it's Raphael lebois I think he's the guy that um, you know we can count on the most uh, in a in a team where we've seen a lot of graduation from our from our forward prospects, and the pool is getting shallower and shallower down there um, in the farm team in this farm system. I think Raf Lavoie is my my number one guy that I'm watching. So looking at him real quick, I pulled him up while Dan was talking. Raphael Lavoie has already got seven goals, three assists for 10 points in 15 games with the, in the Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's. Probably should be up in the SHL, but the, uh, the transfer rules there are a little bit different. And so if he, I think if he played in the SHL, he'd be stuck in the SHL until the end of the season. So wouldn't that uh, be just fine for him? 
Yes and no. I think that the hope for the Oilers is that he can come play in the AHL when that does come back too. So I, I would imagine that that's their plan is to have him in the AHL ranks and, and have him excel there as well. Rick, is there anybody that you're keeping your eye on specifically? Uh, well, I think the the one who's going to have the most immediate impact right now would be Boosh. So I think just if his speed picks up, I guess, you know, that's kind of been the downfall. Um, so people have said that they didn't think he uh, acts fast enough on the ice. So as long as he uh, he gets on track, as you know, he could. There's a very good chance he's here at the start of the next season, whenever it is. So yeah, I'll keep an eye on Boosh. What well, also makes sense too, because on the right side for the Oilers, the right side is a much larger question mark than the left side, right? Yes. So in uh, 18 games, again in the Altsvenskan. Tyler, I need Alsvenskin. Alsvenskin. Yeah, you're getting it. <laughs> Alsvenskin. Uh, in 18 games, Bouchard has five goals, nine assists for 14 points. The, the thing that I've noticed, though, is Big Daddy Bouch seems to be angry over in Sweden because he's already got 54 pims on the Ooh. season. Ooh. That's, I, like I think that's minutes. an okay sign. Like, if he's developing a bit of a mean streak, obviously you don't want him to be undisciplined, but... The big boy's getting rattled out there. Well, what kind maybe of not rattled, playing? I'm not sure. I wish uh, I wish I had a better breakdown on how many minutes he's playing, but I just uh, I noticed that <laughs> the last year in 54 games with the Condors, he had 42 penalty minutes that entire season. He's already got 54 over in Sweden, so I don't know what they're doing over there, but it's pissing, uh, pissing old dad off, and I appreciate the anger in his game. Tyler, who are you watching? Uh, I'm going to stick with the defenseman, but I'm going with Philip Broberg. I think, one, he probably has the most upside out of anyone in the Oilers system right now. And two, I think his development this year in the SHL could have a pretty direct impact on what the Oilers do next offseason and also in the upcoming expansion draft. If you look at Broberg after this season in the SHL, or maybe he comes over to North America for the end of the year, and you go, we can put this guy, not just pencil him in, but we think he can be an impact top six defenseman for us next season then I think that suddenly maybe changes how you handle Darnell Nurse. Or if, if you want to move on from Clefbaum because you don't think he'll ever be back to 100%, you do that. But Broberg directly impacts that. I think in a, in a way he also impacts what they're going to do in the expansion draft as well. Not that he's, because he's obviously good. He's not eligible to be uh, put on the board for Seattle. But if they suddenly go, you know what, we can trade one of these defensemen that are eligible and we can get a forward back for them because we think Bouchard's in, or sorry, Broberg's in the lineup next year. I, I think that that could really, really change things. So I'm, I'm watching Broberg in the SHL, seeing how he develops because one, he's got the upside and two, I think his immediate development could change some things for the Oilers. So Broberg, unlike the first two that we talked about, he's playing in the Swedish Elite League or the Swedish Hockey League, the SHL now. And in 18 games with Skeleftia, he's got a goal and five assists for six points. Um, but he's popping up on Twitter a lot. He's making some nice plays. So I'm going to actually send out an email to Ufe Bowden of Elite Prospects, Prospects here soon and see if I can get another update from somebody who's watched him play a couple of times because, yeah, between Broberg and Bouchard, those two are going to be big pieces of the Oilers' back end going forward. And hopefully, like Dan said, Lavoie is going to be in the mix up front too. So just to, be, just to round this out and kind of be a little bit different, um, I'm going to, I'm going to say, I'm looking at what Tyler Benson's doing in the Swiss league right now. He's got seven points in seven games with the lines of the Swiss league. He's got a goal and six assists. And I think that this is a player that the Oilers are going to be looking at to maybe chip in with some bottom six minutes here as early as this season starts, you know, injuries are going to happen. Um, players are going to get on streaks, whether that be hot or cold. And I'm really curious to see how Benson can develop and play over in Europe as well. So I'll be watching him. He did get a handful of games. He got seven games with the Oilers last year and one assist. So to me, he's one of those guys that kind of is knocking on the door to try and grab a spot here. But if he cracks a spot, that's going to really change things up. Absolutely. Absolutely. In anyone's no. mock 12, he's not even listed, right? In anyone's no. mock 14, he's not even listed. So if he can go in and grab a spot, that's really going to uh, change things up a bit. It's always kind of been the thing with him, though, is that we, I think people kind of pencil him in at a top six replacement, necessarily a bottom six replacement, where you're where you got those guys that can slide in and out, slide out. Well, that third that third line is going to look a little bit different basis. So. 
Yeah. yeah I, I agree with Rick. That, that yeah, the third are. line is going to look different this year um, with Turris, Puliarvi, Ennis, whoever's going to be there. So maybe whether it's not a bottom six or a middle six spot, but Tyler Ed, or uh, Tyler Benson's going to have some work to do on that left side if he's open to crack the lineup anyway. So we'll see how he progresses throughout the season. As mentioned earlier, Dan's got the prospect update that goes up every Monday, OilersNation.com. Every Monday, you can check out how all the prospects are doing. And then Cam and Zach are also, if, if one of the boys does something awesome, they will have that up on the site as well. So another thing I wanted to talk about, just since we're on the left side with Benson, I want to talk about Jujar Kara. We haven't really talked about him a whole lot this offseason so far. But with the work that Ken Holland's done, he may not be a guy who's in the lineup every single night, as we would have hoped. Also, I find it interesting that he hasn't been able to match what he did in 2017-18, where he got 11 goals and 10 assists for 21 points. However, he is an effective penalty killer for this team, so that makes him an important guy. When you guys are looking at Jujar Kara. What are you thinking he's going to mean to this team this year? Is he going to be a part of the team? Tyler, I want to start with you. Well, I think a big part of this is you're probably going to need him to kill penalties because you lost Shahan, who is a big penalty-killing center for this team, and you're going to need someone who's familiar with the system and who you can rely on and you know is a good penalty killer, and Jujar is exactly that. So I, I think he needs to be in the lineup from that perspective, but what I will say is Maybe the Oilers, you know, they went to a few guys like Gaetan Haas or even the newcomer Kyle Turris and said, listen, we know you haven't traditionally been a penalty killer in your career, but we're going to need that from you. Focus on it this offseason, study it, get better at it. And if that's the case, like if Gaetan Haas can suddenly become a really good penalty killer, I would rather have him in the lineup over Kara. I think he skates better. I think he has better offensive touch. I think he consistently brings a little bit more to your lineup. But for now, I think you have to have Kara penciled in as that fourth line center on a game-to-game basis because of the fact he's so good at penalty killing. Rick, you and I are both Jujar guys, but yeah, he, he struggled over the last couple of seasons. What do you what are you thinking for Jujar? Yeah, I think he got into his own head there because he did have that one year where you know he put up those twenty-one points or whatever you just said, and uh, I honestly thought that you know he has the game, he has the ability in him to uh, to play that fourth line role and be a very good fourth line player. Um, I think he's pretty good with the puck down low. He's got some soft hands sometimes, but when he gets into his own head, he starts making these silly little mistakes and, uh, you can't, you can't make those and be a, a fourth line player. Cause you're going to get uh, yanked to the lineup real quick. But again, with that note, with the penalty kill, man, I, I, you're almost forced to play him, and we'd need four, at least four of the guys to do it. Right. So you may find a, a situation where him and Haas are both in the lineup and you start having to, remove someone like chase on because he's not going to get those power play minutes anymore. Right. They brought right-handed shots who, uh, who are better suited to, to, to take that spot. And if he can't kill penalties better than those two, where is he really fit into the lineup? So I think he's, I think you got to start with Jujar in the lineup, but uh, it's up to him to, if he wants to keep that spot, because he's definitely capable of doing it, but he's also, unfortunately capable of letting it slip out of his hands when he's on like he's a really really good bottom six yeah. fourth like there's a reason they gave him yep. 1.2 million over two years because when the offensive yeah. touch is going and he's motivated and the physical side of his games there as well i mean you love him as your fourth line center but it's unfortunate yep. because you want it to work with him but i just haven't seen enough of that consistency over the last couple seasons dan i want to wrap it up with you and talking about jujar because one thing i noticed and I don't know. It could be purely coincidental. It could be something more, but I noticed when Jujar was at his best, he was also playing a very physical game. If you look at hockeyfights.com, Dan runs hockey fights. Um, Jujar was getting a lot of scraps in his career, his career best season. And I'm not saying he needs to scrap, but he was just, he was involved physically. And he was, if somebody, you know, touched a teammate, Jujar was often the one that would step in and, and clean up. Whereas last year he didn't, really engaged all that much. He got in two fights last year, according to hockeyfights.com, but those were also way late in the season when we were already in the back stretch. Dan, do you think there's any correlation there between how involved Jujar is physically and how he plays on the ice? Well, I think that for the Oilers whole last year, physicality was, a, was when it comes to fighting, was just not there. Um, you know, we had the we had the big kerfuffle with the Flames, and that was exciting and fun. Uh, but that was where a lot of guys' numbers got padded. You know, uh, Jujar had a fight against uh, Buddy Robinson, and uh, and then you had Cassian with the two fights there, and Nuge with a fight. So I think that 
even those numbers seem high in the sense that 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 was really stemmed out of one one little rivalry. Um, but yeah, I think for Jujar, for him to be engaged in the game outside of the PK, he needs to be firing up the boys with those big fights. You know, you think back to with him, uh, Cal Clutterbuck was, I can't remember who he, he greased after the whistle, but Jujar just came over and said, let's do it. And and they did. And Jujar absolutely popped him. And that, that was a real kind of, um, you know, spurring point for the, for the organization that year. Uh, that was two seasons ago, but yeah, I, I just, I think for, for Jujar, you're going to probably see him, you know, maybe even slide to a wing uh, just to be able to play on the PK because the signing of Kyle Turris single signaled that he's, he's not really, um, you know, he's not fully in the plans right now, but, but if he continues to play or if he went back to his old style of play with that physicality and continues his PK play, you can't really take him out of this team, especially when that penalty kill was as good as it was last year. It's, I mean, for the Oilers too, it's going to be interesting to see how they run the PK in general because last year was the first year in ages that the Oilers had a competent penalty kill and they've <laughs> lost, yeah. you know, Riley Shane's gone. Um, Jujar is going to be maybe in the lineup, maybe not, depending how Dave Tippett sees his combinations go. Oscar Clefbaum killed a lot of penalties for the Oilers last year, and he's gone for the foreseeable future. So there's some key pieces there that are going to be taken out, whether that's, you know, by design or by, you know, coincidence as Oscar Clefbaum is. So do you think that's going to lead guys like Nuge and Drysaddle have to kill more minutes than they probably should? I hate that though. Like I, and I'm not one who sits there and goes, you cannot have your best players kill penalties. Like I don't mind it. I think your best player should be able to play all the time. But for the Oilers, I just think of, I think of like when you'd watch Penguins games for the last, you know, eight, nine years, they'd go on the penalty kill and the first shift after they would have Malk and Crosby on the ice together going because the other team's best players were just out there on the power play. So they're not going to be out there that first shift back at five on five. So you hold back your best players and then you load up a line right after the PK and you try to get some momentum back in your favor. And I and I think if you have Drysaddle and Nugent Hopkins killing significant minutes, that kills your ability to go right with Connor McDavid after you're done killing the penalty. So I, I don't want Nuge and Drysaddle to be killing a lot. I understand that they might have to in some games, but I really think you need to have four other guys and you need to have four guys in your bottom six who you can rely on to kill penalties just to make just to make life easier right after that penalty's over. So who who's who do you got on your list right now? Obviously Josh Archibald's gonna kill, Jujar's gonna kill. Yeah. And then that's why I brought up Torres and Haas. Like, I think you would have had to go to those guys at the start of the offseason and just say, you guys better learn this. Watch film, have your whatever coach you need to be communicating with these guys and say, figure out how to be better penalty killers. I know it's way easier said than done, but I, I think that's what you need to do. And you look at the right side in that bottom six, we're expecting the right side to be Archibald and Puglia Yarvi. Well, I don't think JP is going to come into the NHL's first year back and kill penalties. Let's look at the left side. Right now, we're expecting it to be Ennis and Neal. Neither of those guys have traditionally been penalty killers, so can you suddenly rely on them? Like, I don't know. I, I That's just the problem, I guess, when you build up a really, really skilled top nine is that you don't have these built-in penalty killers, but guys are going to have to learn in that bottom six, and guys are going to have to do things that, you know, in the past few seasons of their career, they haven't been comfortable doing. It's going to be interesting because obviously you can win and lose by your special teams. And the Oilers did a lot of losing by their special teams a couple of years ago. So interesting question for Dave Tippett as he puts together his line combinations heading into 2021, wherever, whenever that starts. Um, right now, though, on a Friday afternoon, I'm going to encourage you, as I always do, to go to skipthedish.ca and get yourself a little afternoon snack. As we're recording this, it is 1.31 on a brisk afternoon in the capital city and that to me that to me says soup season maybe a nice bowl of pho tyler are you a pho guy Fa, i believe is how it's pronounced but i am i do enjoy it it is but then a lot of the puns don't work on some of the signs so i'm going to stay for pho for the purposes of this or maybe you want to try my invention that i came up with last week where you take two half pound beef and cheds you take off the top bun on one of them and you stack them for an arby's equivalent of a big mac Yo, I think you should toss some Doritos in there too. I was thinking Ooh. about this earlier this week, and I got to. Uh, I'm going to sprinkle a couple. I'm going to sprinkle a couple of Doritos in the bottom and see what happens. Boys. All right. Oh. Actually, you a little suck. bit of crunch, a little crunch. So, what flavor of Doritos are you thinking? Because I went to the store this morning. I've got Cool Ranch and I've got Nacho mm. in my pantry right now. I think Nacho would work. I think Nacho would work. I'm a big sweet chili heat guy. Cool Ranch. You can leave those on the on the shelf for now. 
I don't think those are going to work too well with the uh, with the beef and ched. It could. Just go donair. You can't go wrong with the donair. Well with everything. Oh, actually, you know what though, Dan? If you're going to order a donair, I will say be careful. Don't do what I did the other day when you're ordering from Skip the Dishes. Uh-oh. I didn't look at the address. <laughs> I ordered from a shop too close to downtown. And by the time it got to me, it didn't travel as well. And that's not the shop's that's fault. Fair. That's my fault. I did so, that one. Donair is not a travel food. My first experience with Yegberger. I live downtown and they're way up north. And I was just flipping through the app, found them. I was like, yeah, I'm going to try these guys. And again, not their fault. But even the driver's like, man, that's a long way to go. I was so, like, ooh, all right. I, th- I think the lesson <laughs> we're teaching you guys here is that we're all going to skip the dishes.ca to get something to eat, but check, sure to check the address. Check the address. Need Buy to local, make- stay local. Buy local, stay local. I agree with that, Dan. Mm-hmm. Uh, skip the dishes.ca, get yourself something to eat. Uh, obviously, the big story from this past week in the NHL, um, apart from the discussions that are going back and forth between the league and the players, uh, which we'll touch on in a minute is the reverse retros came out earlier this week. We spoke about it on state of the nation, whatever you're calling our new Twitch show on Tuesday. I just want to really quickly go at some of the winners and losers. Cause I feel like this has kind of been beat to death a little bit at this point, but then I'm going to introduce a new segment for you guys um, where we look at the bright side of things. So real quick around the horn, uh, Dan, I'm going to start with you. Who's your winner and your loser from reverse retro reveal. Oh, I, that came- I said this randomly on the on the, our Twitch stream. My winner was is actually the Florida Panthers, and I don't know why, because I, I just that jersey just really resonated with me. So Florida Panthers are my winner, and my loser is going to be the New York Islanders because they're just boring and lazy. That's fair. The New York Islanders, it just looks like their last jersey. It looks okay, like what they usually wear. I, that's exactly it. Gun to your head. Can you tell me what's different from that jersey than the jersey that they currently wear? Didn't they flip the stripes on the bottom? Like, aren't the white and orange flipped? <laughs> Here's the thing. With the gun to your head, I don't know what I don't know what they changed. So, there you go. I think the, the stripes are thicker, I think. I don't think you have that, all that <laughs> orange by out of his yeah. wrist. Like, how is that retro? Anyways, Islanders are my loser. Uh, they could have gone with Captain Highliner. And yep. your winner, Dan. You said your winner was... The Panthers. The Florida Panthers, just well, randomly. Like Panthers like, I have no real reason. It just worked. All right. Rick, your winner and your loser. Uh, I don't know if you can label just one. There's a, there's a couple of really good ones. I like well, you ours. have to. I... Yep. <laughs> Are we making us choose. out of it? Yeah, let's take Edmonton out of it because I think like, Edmonton, they're beautiful, man. Those other sweaters are sweet. Yeah, I really like the other ones. Uh, I think it's got to be... Man, there's a couple here. I'm I'm gonna go with the Devils though. I really I really dig the green that uh, that goes in with that. It might be a little too much, but I, I really like the way they look. So uh, let's let's go with the Devils for the win. And man, there's seven or eight that are that are <laughs> definite losers here. But I'm gonna I'm gonna choose one only because I have like a perfect uh, replacement for it. It's the Vancouver Canucks. You guys have. Uh, Great jersey in the Pavel Bure, yeah. the Kirk McLean, yep. you know, the black. That one is what they should have gone with. The stupid Orca and then the two color. Oh, uh, man. Whatever. Just go back to the 90s one. You've done this a couple times, right? Yeah. Go back yes. to the 90s one and let's fire out the Bure jersey. Let's go. They're keeping the Vancouver Canucks fans on a line and I love it. <laughs> so I... Taking you behind the scenes here at the nation a little bit. We, a lot of us post stuff on different sites that aren't just Oilers Nation. So this morning I was having some fun on the Canucks Army Instagram by posting, it was the classic skate logo, but do you remember those jerseys that were red for some reason? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I posted that on the Canucks Army Instagram and sent it to Facebook and said, well, which one's the best and worst in Canucks history? And boy, did people not like that red jersey. And it made me laugh. It made me laugh because they've had some trash ones in their history. Holy (laughs) hell. Uh, for me, just to round it up, I've said this everywhere. Or no, Tyler, I'm going to get to your winners and losers here. But for me, just I'm going to take the easy one. Detroit, you're the loser because it just sucks. It's boring. You put your normal logo on a white blank jersey. It's like you Dude, didn't it's finish a, coloring it's a practice it jersey. It's a practice Have jersey. You, There's a billion of them out there. A couple people threw out, like, uh, what I like is when people pan these and then they actually give, like, a solution to what the yeah. jersey could have been. And yeah. the, they, somebody took a black outline and just put that around everything on the Red Wings jersey, and it's, like, just crisp and clean, but it's new. And that's always been my thing. I think 
Tyler, you'll probably mention it, but the, the, the original six is teams just being like, Hey, we can't yeah. change amazingness. It's like, well, yeah, you absolutely can. But for my, my solution for Detroit would have been that one. I think they wore it at a outdoor classic a couple of years ago. It would have, when it was just text and it said Detroit with the red lines across the chest yeah. that ran horizontally. I thought that would have been a sharp look for a, a retro Jersey, Tyler, your, and then for me, the winner, I, it's easy for me, the Los Angeles Kings. I love those They're jerseys. Yeah. The, the color scheme's great. The only thing that I wish that they did is they went back to the original logo that was on those when they were purple jerseys, but that's nitpicking, so I'm not going to say too much about it. Tyler, your winners and losers from Reverse Retro. I'll start with my losers, and I will say this. Uh, it's similar to Rick's. The Winnipeg Jets dropped the ball, man. You had such a great historic color scheme you could have gone back to for this jersey. And they didn't. I like that they kept the, you know, the retro logo there, but they oh, went with like the weird gray and it, and it just does not look good at all. They should have gone back to that old school color scheme and really made it a true retro jersey. So I was disappointed to see Winnipeg not drop something a little bit better. Uh, for my winner, I'm going to go with the Minnesota Wild, who, you know, paid homage yep. to the original Minnesota NHL team, the Minnesota North Stars. And I yep. like that look. I like that color for them. It's really sharp. And I like how it kind of, I think what the point of the reverse retros was, was to take something from the past and sort of combine it with something more modern. And they did that with the North Stars color scheme going on a wild jersey. So the wild are my winner. Uh, the Winnipeg Jets also passed up an opportunity to rock Thrasher's jerseys. <laughs> <laughs> they could have just They're, done that and yeah. it would have been hilarious. They have full clearance for that, eh? Like they, they're okay. Atlanta has... Clear, like that's the, the team has cleared everything. Yeah. That's the yeah, team. I know Winnipeg Jets fans love to just be like, they like to mix franchise histories and that's fine. Like I get it. They're still the Winnipeg Jets, whatever, do whatever you want. But how funny would it have been if they just came out and rocked Thrasher's jerseys? Like reverse so, retro. Shout dude, out somebody, to Carolina. Carolina did Hartford's right. And then the Avalanche did pretty much the Nordiques, which I don't well, love. Somebody but. said that it, it would have been funny to see the Jets do like a reverse retro of their old Jets jersey and then have the Coyotes do a reverse retro of an old Jets jersey and have them play each other and just have it be chaos. But, yeah, the Coyotes are just like, here's our reverse retro jersey and it's just the Winnipeg Jets jersey from yes. 1991. Or they just wear their current Jets jerseys. Just, oh, fuck it. Yes. Uh, Tyler, you said you didn't like the Nordiques and, and Whalers thing. Yeah. Uh, what are you thinking? I've said, I've, I've had this take a few times. Imagine if in the 2000s, if the Oilers would have lost their team, and then this year, the Houston, whatever they're called, come out and are like, our reverse retro is an Edmonton Oilers themed jersey. You wouldn't like that as an Oilers fan. I think, it, so for me, it's like, you know, why are the Colorado Avalanche wearing a jersey with the Florida, what's it called? The Florida Lee or something? Yeah, yeah. like, why are you wearing, that makes no sense for a team in Colorado. And, and you can say, oh, it's honoring the past. I don't think it is, man. I think it's making money off the franchise that you stole. Same thing with the Whalers jerseys. I don't like it. <laughs> but if you get, if you're getting mad at a franchise for having taken your team, like I believe that I would be cheering for the Houston Oilers if the really? if that was the way that the team. Yes, because I because I support the team that that we birthed. You know, like if you're a Quebec fan, you look at that Avalanche championship in 1997 like it's your own. Because because it was your team that was the team that was created oh, in Quebec and it went and won a championship know. in Colorado. I don't, know, man. I don't know if I agree with that. I think, so Dan, I think, I think, that, would, I think that would hurt so bad. It would hurt. Don't you get me wrong. Do you think Winnipeg Jets like fans now should be cheering for? Go ahead. Do you Go. think Winnipeg Jets fans now should be cheering for the Coyotes instead? Um, I believe I would understand if you were a Jets fan. And in that lapse from 96 to, what is it, 2007, um, or whatever it was, when they came back, that you, I would understand if you cheered for the Coyotes, absolutely, because that's your team, that's your, that's the franchise, you know, like, that's, that's the, those are the players that you cheered for, and so they're, they're just collected somewhere else, it's not, it, like, the person that I would be mad at is Peter Pocklington for having screwed the pooch on that, and I still am mad at Peter Pocklington for just that reason, but, you know, I just, I would, I would rock the, if I was a Quebec Nordiques fan, I would rock that new Colorado jersey like it's my own. So, like I said, I wanted to start off a new little segment. It's not really a segment. It's more of like a little tag on because I feel like there's too much negativity going around these days. 2020 sucks. Um, so I'm going to look at the bright side. I'm plagiarizing myself from the wrap-ups. I'm taking my bright side portion of the wrap-ups, and I'm bringing it into the podcast. So I asked you guys for your losers from reverse retro season, 
And now I'm going to ask you to say something nice about them. So Dan, your loser was the New York Islanders because they didn't change shit. And it's basically sure. the exact same Jersey that they always wear on the bright side. What do you like about the Islanders Jersey? <laughs> I didn't know you were going to do it. You did like a hint that this is what you're going to do, but I didn't know this is going to be the format. I mean, for the Islanders, it's, it is, it's a classic color scheme and it is their championship <laughs> color scheme. When they had, when they had their, uh, when they had their franchise that, you know, would have been a dynasty if it wasn't for the Oilers coming along. Um, you know, it, so I understand why they went there and, and you know, you, you can enjoy that for that reason, but I just thought it was kind of lazy. So your uh, so your positive then is the color scheme. You you do like the color scheme. Yeah, oh yeah. You can't get it, you can't go wrong with that orange and blue. I mean, that's you know, as an Oilers fan, it's it's uh, it's right up the alley. But it's just that n- enough difference that it, it makes it feel different to me. So yeah, the color scheme is my positive there. My Rick side. on the on the bright side, Rick. What is good about that Canucks travesty of a reverse retro jersey? Uh, well, it takes you back to when the greatest Canuck of all time was on their team. And he wore that exact. And he, thank you very much. That's exactly where I was going with this. That's the logo that he wore. So when he, they had their greatest player in franchise history, that's the logo. So we'll give them that's, that's, that's their thumbs up to this, I guess. A little Tyler, homage you, to my, Mr. Messier. Tyler, you picked the Winnipeg Jets yep. as your losers of reverse retro. What is the bright side from their jerseys? Here's what I'll say about the Jets jerseys. I mentioned that the point of the retro jerseys was to take something from the past and make it modern. They took their logo from the past and they mixed it with their modern color scheme. So in that sense, they did a good job with the reverse retros. And I'm not a big fan of the gray, but how many gray jerseys are there in the NHL? Not too many. So they, you know, a little bit different there. It's a unique jersey in that sense. The old logo is incorporated to the new color and the new culture. So if you're trying to bridge the gap between the past and the present, the Jets did a great job at that. Look at that. Everybody's coming up with the bright side. And for me, I picked the Detroit Red Wings as my loser of reverse retros. So my bright side for them is that logo is iconic. They've got a great logo. The jersey itself is trash, but the logo's good. So I would not wear that, but I could understand why somebody might want to. They save money on practice jerseys. They can do double use. Exactly. And if they had to pay per color on printing those jerseys, they're saving money there too. Crazy money. I wonder, like, I've got an alternate theory in my head, is that the Detroit Red Wings have almost got a full calendar year without playing any games. <laughs> Maybe they just don't have anybody in their graphics department right now. And they were just like, oh, shit. It reminded me of, like, when I was in grade two, we had to have this coloring book filled out by the end of the school year. And I was a procrastinator, so I left a bunch of pages for the end of the year. And when it finally got time finally got to crunch time. I was like, Oh shit, I'm not going to be able to finish this book. So I just colored a whole bunch of the spaces in with pencil as opposed to pencil crayons. And I handed in probably a sizable portion of just gray pencil colored. Dude, that's black and white. It's art. It's a very artistic. Yeah. It's very artistic. Looked very, very nice. So there it is. The bright side. I'm going to add those in when I feel like we're all being a little bit negative to get the boys to say something nice. What do you think? Tyler? Good. I like it. How I think it can the, be a segment that we can do when yeah. things are just going bad, you know, and yeah, people are grumpy. How about how when they, they release all the pictures, right? And every picture is the logo, except for the Chicago Blackhawks, where they show the back. Yeah. The league, like, yeah, like, the, was the league trying to say something right there? They yeah, didn't want to use that logo? I don't know. I don't know. That's, that's, I don't know. Stood out, that's just that like, stood out like a sore thumb to me. Everybody was the logo, and then you see the Hawks, the back of the jersey. Well, it was just I like the was. Avalanche on the day of their teaser, their divisional teaser release. They just left out the 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 middle image that was kind of the juicy one for yeah. everybody to look at. And so, as Bag Milk said, uh, when I was doing the posts for uh, for Daily Faceoff, there I just put in image not found for them because. It was like they missed the memo that they were supposed to include three images. It's interesting the way they put things out, you know? I'm surprised that they just dropped them all on one day. I thought they would do it, like, make it last. But I think they really wanted them out, like, a good chunk before Christmas so people would buy them for Christmas. Gotta buy them for Christmas. And and I thought it was funny. All that shit leaks anyways. Yeah. Well, I thought it was funny that they released the teasers all at 10 a.m. Mountain Time. 
And then, so it was teasers on, what was it? Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then I was all ready to go for 10 a.m. on Monday morning and 9 a.m. Monday morning, they release all the jerseys and I missed it. Threw you a curveball. curveball. Yeah. You were looking fastball, my friend. They threw you. Um, We have got a special guest coming up at the end of today's podcast. We've got Lolly Tour from the APNA, from APNA Hockey. He's going to join us to talk about what they're doing over there. So we're going to switch up the format a little bit. We're going to get to hot and cold performers here. But this week in Oilers history, there was a couple of instances from what was a very, very strange 2018-19 season that I wanted to talk about. Specifically... The Ryan Strom for Spooner trade, which yeah. happened this week a couple years ago, as well as the Todd McClellan firing where he was replaced by Ken Hitchcock. Um, so th- both of those things happened in the same week for the Oilers. I remember us coming back from a, a road trip to Calgary. They did not win. Todd was fired. They played the uh, – or no, they did not win. They came back. They played the Vegas Golden Knights, got lit up, and then Todd was fired on the way to San Jose. He was on the team playing, but then he had to fly himself back, probably uh, commercial because he's a saving a little bit of money. Actually, you know what? There was a bunch of pictures that came out of him waiting at a gate. It was very sad. The whole situation was very sad. But what I want to get to, boys, is I just want to look at those two instances and just how weird was that last season of Peter Shirelli? To me, I was very anti-Shirelli for a long time, so I felt that he should have been fired long before he was. But let's start with the coaching change. What do you remember from a couple years ago when Tom McClellan got the axe? Uh, the Oilers were just a game under 500 at the time, but they were in the midst of a three and seven stretch, ugly hockey, mid November firing. Tyler, what do you remember about that move? Yeah, I remember they were struggling a little bit. And I mean, we knew coming into the year that it was crunch time for that, for that rain and, and, and kind of that unit of Shirelli and McClellan. I was honestly a little surprised that it wasn't a tandem firing just as it was kind of a tandem hiring. And I know that there are some reports that, you know, Shirelli didn't necessarily pick McClellan. It was kind of a, they were brought in at the same time and told to work together. But I was surprised that Shirelli got to make another hire. And as the year went on, I kept being more and more surprised that Shirelli was able to keep making these moves. So what just surprised me is that it was Shirelli who, even though the team was clearly struggling, Shirelli got to keep pulling the trigger on this stuff. And when you look at the Strom trade, when when you look at that hiring of Hitchcock, when you eventually get to the Kajula trade and all that, I was just surprised that Shirelli had as long of a leash that year as he did. Dan, well, talking Hitch, it was like, well, it was like a, it's one of those things that you know, if you look at Shirelli like the Titanic, and you know the the season was kind of rolling along, and he hit the iceberg already, um, and things were going downhill, and he just started throwing his officers off the deck. Uh, to try and, you know, to try and fix things. And it, it's not the way you fix a ship that's sinking. Um, but yeah, so when we, when we fired uh, McClellan, it was just kind of like, it was the, it was the signal to the rest of the ship. Well, things have gone hell awry and, you know, this is not the guy to be, to be fixing it here. But uh, yeah, the, the McClellan, the McClellan move, the Spooner trade, the, the Manning pickup, like everything was just, you know, tossing stuff off the deck of the Titanic but meanwhile, it's taking on water that you just can't stop. So it was, it was one of those things where he's just flailing, and, and it was the start of the flailing of the end for Peter Shirelli. Rick, how would you break down that very, very bizarre week to be an Oilers fan? Uh, it, was, it, it was weird. I mean, you wanted to try and find the, uh, the, the bright spots out of it, but just like you guys said, man, <laughs> The wrong guy went first. I'm, we, we all we were sitting here waiting for Pete to get fired, and and he was had the opportunity to go and you know get rid of Todd. So then we all jumped on board with a positivity train. Said, okay, Hitch is you know here. Let's go. Uh, we'll see what he, what Hitch can get done. But if there was a little bit of brightness there, it was that once you knew the coach was gone, the GM had to be next. So. Yeah, I was just, you know, I was just thinking that at least this means, like, this season This season is what is. But I think in the long run, Torelli's time is up as well. So I guess it was a little bit of a, I don't know, a little bit of a bright spot there just to know that uh, the clock was taken on Pete at that point. I wrote the post at OilersNation.com today about 
in this day in Oilers history, they fired McClellan and brought in Hitchcock. The biggest gift that Todd gave us was probably refusing to play Evan Bouchard for yeah. the 10 games and burning a, a year of his ELC. Otherwise, we would have had another defenseman to protect at the upcoming expansion draft. And that, you know, that's a gift that Todd gave us on his way out that I just doesn't make sense to me how Peter Shirelli was like, you need to play Bouchard more. He wasn't going to be the answer at that point. Well, and was, well, you can look back through a lot of things that went on in that era, and it was clear those two were not on the same page, which is why I hinted at the, you know, it was clear that McClellan wasn't Shirelli's guy, and those two, I think, probably butted heads behind the scenes a lot more than maybe we realized. Look at the way Yessa Puglia-Yarvi was handled, right? Never put into those skill spots, even though Shirelli was putting him on this team and keeping him up here for him to be put in those skill spots. It, they, they clearly were never on, or I shouldn't say we're never on the same page, but they weren't on the same page a lot towards the end of their tenure. Well, and something too, uh, the, if, if Shirelli had been fired in the summer, we probably wouldn't have Ken Holland as our GM because they would have gone out and hired yeah. somebody that was available at that moment. Um, or maybe they hired Keith Gretzky, but then you don't, I don't imagine that they'd fire Keith Gretzky within a year and replace him with Ken Holland. So, so, you know, again, it's like the, it's like when we, when we look back at the decade of darkness and we say, you know, well, Ralph Kruger shouldn't have been fired or, or, uh, you know, all those different transactions that, that led to Connor McDavid, the same kind of deal, you know, Michelelli on the ship to let it burn away for a season, yeah. basically burn a season, got us Ken Holland. And and it'll be the same right thing side. if if the Oilers win a Stanley Cup under Ken Holland, it'll be the same thing. It'll be like, hey man, good thing we let Shirelli trade Kajula and all that because if things would have <laughs> broken differently, we might not have gotten to Holland, who ended up building the Stanley Cup winner. Without those uh, trades, B could still be in town. Fuck. Oh, <laughs> would not, how would no? How would that? How would Tony Tony handle that? What a nightmare. Uh, I'm trying to think back as you guys were talking about any bright sides that I can think about with the, the Todd firing. And what I came up with in my head was, do you remember when all of Twitter replaced their, their avatars with pictures of Hitch? Oh yeah. If there was just Hitchcock pictures everywhere. <laughs> that's what I remember most. And I you think had no idea who anybody was because they'd lost their identity and it had become Hitchcock. Yeah, that's exactly it. Um, but before we get to Lally tour, that's coming up in a second. I want to get to our hot and cold performers of the week. These are brought to you by code go tequila. Go to code go 1530.com. Mm. It's because tea time waits for no man whether it's one fifty-five in the afternoon as it is right now or later on in the evening, a nice little shot of tequila might be exactly, exactly what your body needs. And as George Strait says, if it's not your favorite tequila, you haven't tried it yet. So go to Codigo1530.com, <laughs> get yourself some tequila. Yeah. It's great stuff. I have the rose here at my house, and it is wonderful. As we do every week, gentlemen, we start with our veggies, with our cold performers of the week. I normally go in order of how I see people on my iPhone, but we're doing this through Zoom today. So I'm going to start with Mr. Tyler Yaremchuk, your Kodigo cold performer of the week. Uh, my cold performer of the week. It was the news that broke today that the Toronto Raptors will not be allowed to play in Canada. I mean, I, you just want things. I understand why they're doing it and all that, but you just want things to get a little bit back to normal. It makes sense, though. They're the only Canadian team, but still sad that the Toronto Raptors won't be able to play at Scotiabank Center this year as a Raptors fan. Makes me sad that they're going to be playing their home games out of Tampa Bay. I'm upset. Thank you, Drake. The Toronto Raptors of Tampa Bay. Drake's yeah. also upset. You know he's upset. Oh, yeah. Uh, next up on my screen is Rick, your Kodigo Cold Performer of the Week. Well, I think this is going to go down to the NHL owners here. Um, as little as we know about all the discussions going on, um, we've heard that they're now asking the players to take a, a larger pay cut. Uh, this is something that should have been decided already with the return to play. I believe everybody signed, went pen to paper. Um, terms were discussed, terms were agreed upon, and now they're coming back and they're trying to change things, which uh, kind of reminds me of what, what baseball went through at the beginning of the year. So, yeah, this is going to go to the NHL owners right now. We have been hoodwinked, bamboozled, led astray, run amok, and flat out deceived. That's such a great button. Uh, Dan, your Kodigo, Cold Performer of the Week. 
Uh, so 2020 has been one of those years where it just seems like nothing can really go correctly. And my call before the week is going to the uh, various cities and their giant tree reveals, which have just been absolute disasters. I don't know if you guys have seen this, but the tree at Rockefeller Center looks like it was dragged from whatever town in like New Jersey it was it came from on the highway, and it's just this just an absolute Charlie Brown Christmas looking tree right now. So uh, yeah, my giant tree reveal is uh, is my cold performer of the week. What the hell is going on? My cold performer of the week is going out to the people that manage my complex, specifically the snow removal people. Uh, for some reason, they decided to clear out the drive, like the parking lot, which is great, mm-hmm. but they piled up all the snow right in front of my fucking entryway to my house. So I had to basically <laughs> shovel my way out of my own yard today. I wasn't happy about it. Management at my specific townhouse complex, you were my cold performer of the week. Worst. They are the worst. Thank you, Tyler. Well, at least Pete has a new job, though. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And now I know, like, could you... I still can't wrap my head around why people <laughs> think that he should end up back in an NHL front office. He's got like, friends in high places, man. It doesn't yeah. make sense to me. Like, you can't be that bad at your job in any other industry and just be like, hey, you know what? We should give this guy a third chance to... The NHL is a circle. Really is. All right, flipping the ledger to our hot performers of the week, our Code2Go hot performer. I'm starting on the other side. Oh, Dan's coming up first today. So, Dan, you're a Code2Go hot performer of the week. Uh, it's going to go out to a couple of different sports, uh, both baseball and football. The CFL and the uh, – I just want to make sure that I say it right. It's the uh, West Coast Baseball League. Both announced their schedules today. So, Edmonton has some sports to look sports. forward to. And it lets us, uh, you know, dream of those sunny summer afternoons uh, where we can go to the uh, ballpark down in Edmonton, uh, River Valley, or to Commonwealth Stadium, hopefully, and watch some football or baseball. I also drink a beer at Roger's Place, and I get crazy. <laughs> he does. I've seen it. Uh, Rick, so your, Rick, your code to go, hop from the week. Well, Tyler, you might want to cover yours for this one, but uh, we're going to stick with a different sport here. And we're going to go with uh, Tua, Tungvailoa, and the Miami Dolphins. Um, as, uh, everybody knows the kind of the teams I cheer for, and it's been 10, 15, 20 years of, uh, of hot garbage. So it's nice to see the Oilers get <laughs> spun around here. They're moving forward. And now I have a legit football team I can get behind too. And give it a three, four, five, six weeks here, and I'm fairly certain they'll be uh, first place in the FC East. Ooh. Put some respect he, on my name. The button I guy. I don't know. <laughs> go Bills. Tyler, you're, Tyler, you're, I'm Jack. You're code go hop from the week. Oh, man. Um, I'm going to go. I'm just – that's – okay. I'm not going to get into a Bills-Dolphins argument right now on our hockey podcast, but my hot performer <laughs> of the week is the Alberta Junior Hockey League. I know a couple of days ago they had a positive test down in Canmore. But, I mean, for the most part, the start of their regular season went off without a hitch. It was a ton of fun for me to get back covering junior hockey. And, I mean, there's live sports going on in our province. The AJHL's regular season is underway. I applaud them. I applaud the government for letting it happen as well. It's good to have some hockey on. Cash money. My hot performer of the week, I'm going to, we started off talking about the prospects. I'm going to end this with the prospects. My hot performer of the week is going to Dylan Holloway. How about him scoring two beauties in the first two games of the season down in the NCAA? Just watching Oilers Twitter a little bit when those highlights were going around earlier in the week made me happy. You know, it makes me happy when there's actual Oilers stuff to talk about and seeing people excited. So Dylan Holloway, your start of the season gets my hot performer of the week. And uh, just to end this off, I guess I could have added this into the cold performers of the week because if you go to our podcast reviews, uh, we got a five-star or a one-star review, I should say, saying, unsubscribing to this. Your constant virtue signaling makes me sick. Have an original thought, you damn sheep. <laughs> Isn't that what last That's, week said uh, too? Yeah, there was the last, last week. There was cut one and, that said cut that and paste we, and shit from the internet. Yeah, yeah we so that was everybody like else's opinions. Two weeks in a row, we had a one-star reviews. Uh, so last week, if you missed it, the one that I read last week was, you just copy and paste what everyone is saying on the internet, but you add crappy radio sound effects to it. Uh, so, this yeah. <laughs> so this week's is your constant virtue signaling. Makes me sick. Have an original thought, you damn sheep. We are all sheep, and I just go, <laughs> uh, 
we switched up the format this week because we've got a special guest joining us. Tyler, what's yes. going on? Yeah, Bag Milk, let's bring in our special guest this week. It's Lolly Tour, the founder and president of Apna Hockey, joining us on the podcast. Lolly, thanks for giving us some time. Thanks, Tyler. Thanks for having me. Of course, this interview brought to you by Cornerstone Insurance. Check them out online. Cornerstone Insurance, solid protection, sound advice. I Reading up a little bit on Apna Hockey, man, this is one of those things that you love to see getting going in the sport. Uh, so I just want to start with this. Take us kind of through what Apna Hockey stands for and what are some of the basic things you were looking to accomplish when you created this? So Apna in Punjabi means our, Tyler, so it, it means our hockey. Um, I started this uh, network basically about three and a half years ago here in, in Edmonton, Alberta. Um, I grew up playing AAA hockey here. I played with guys like Alex Petrovic. He was on the Oilers a couple of years ago, local boy. Uh, Matt Benning, uh, Gallagher. I grew up with all the 1992 top players. And I'm a player of uh, South Asian descent. So, like, my dad's an immigrant from India. And he put me out on the ice when I was four. So, I went through, you know, AAA hockey. You know what? At times, man, it got, it got, it got, it felt isolated, right? I definitely felt isolated and alone. And I didn't have, like, good role models. So, like, when I started Apna Hockey, which is the very first South Asian-based ice hockey network in the world right now, um, I wanted to give back to my community. I wanted to give back to kids that, you know, look like me, that kind of go through similar experiences. But I wanted them to have those mentors and that uh, support network. So, yeah, we started about three and a half years ago with a hockey camp. And then a few months later, my co-founder, Dampy Brar from Calgary. Dampy is one of the first uh, pro South Asian hockey players uh, in our community in North America. So he was actually, I think, signed to the Edmonton Farm Team way back in the day. I think Bakersfield way back in the day. And since, you know, three, three years ago, me and him have been teaming up. So I do stuff here in Edmonton. Uh, we reach out to our community. We grow the game within the South Asian community. He does it out in Calgary. We're out in Vancouver. Uh, we have camps out. Uh, we have instructors now in Toronto. And it's all about just growing the game. We're going to talk a little bit about the recognition you guys got with the Willie O'Ree Award in just yep. a second here. But for you, being on, you know, being as hands-on, being here from the beginning with this association, how great has it been to sort of just watch the strides being made and, and watch it grow? It's been amazing, Tyler. Like, just to see um, how many kids in our community, both female and male, just play, like, uh, through recreationally and even at the high levels. I'm very, like, I mean, we've accumulated over 45 prominent athletes in our community, female and male, Tyler, there's enough male talent in our community to kickstart India's national Olympic team at this point. Wow. Yeah. So imagine that. Imagine, I mean, this, this team is pretty competitive. I was talking to uh, the Anaheim Ducks goalie coach, the Darshan Maharaj, and uh, Sudzi told me, Lali, he took a look, he took a look at the roster. He's like, Lali, this team should have been at the last Olympics. And to be honest, like it would honestly, it, it have guys that, you know, play across, you know, across the world in different uh, leagues, like in Austria, uh, we have people out in Germany, we have kids out in Australia, obviously George Arcara of the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah. Uh, he's currently the only South Asian hockey player in the NHL. Guys like that, I think we have, a, like, if we bring these, uh, these athletes together, we could definitely have a team that could represent 1.3 billion people. So is that kind of one of the next goals here for you guys, is to get yeah. to that point? We want to we want to definitely push it. So I mean, we're working on uh, we're working with the National Hockey League. We're working with the Edmonton Oilers to you know set up some grassroots level programs because at the end of the day, we want to grow and diversify the game of hockey. So we're working closely with the NHL with the Edmonton Oilers to set up these grassroots level programs, and it's to get you know community to get you know new immigrants from our community that come to Canada and get them um, into the Canadian culture. Right? We want them to play hockey, but we want those those experiences in hockey to be positive too. Right. So that's where we come in, where we you know, provide the network, the role models, the support. Um, and then obviously our higher goals, obviously with the Indian National Men's Olympic team. That's one of our bigger goals. Right. We're talking about our hockey about this. Uh, how do we get these kids together? How do we you know, create that kind of like a similar type to, you know, the biosteel camp that they do out in Toronto with McDavid? We want to do that for our community. So that's one of our large initiatives. And I think that's really going to globalize the game of hockey. You mentioned you you felt sometimes you know isolated growing up playing hockey and to build up this this that that now the next kid coming up that's going to be just like you won't feel as isolated. I, I for me like that that just must must feel so cool for you to have that kind of impact on so many young hockey players' lives. And that's the whole point, Tyler. Like I mean, I wanted to give back something I never had growing up, right? So you know, playing AAA. I mean, obviously in the prairies it was tough, you know, because I was always the only South Asian, you know, in AAA. Yeah. 
right? Let alone my team. And, um, but I mean, there were some tough times, right? I mean, obviously you would want to have a role model. I wish I had a guy like me, my co-founder, Dan. Um, he's, you know, one of the OG hockey players in our community. I'm 28 and he's, uh, he's 44. He's married, has kids. I told Dan, I wish I had a guy like you to talk to when I was playing down on AAA. Um, there's a lot of stuff that happened in my career, but again, it's what, how you take a negative and turn it into a positive at the end of the day. Yeah, and I think you've done a tremendous job of that with Appena Hockey. Yeah. We're talking to Lolly Tour, the founder and president of Appena Hockey. Uh, the recognition you guys got with the Willie O'Ree Award, I, how much did that mean to you guys to just sort of be recognized by the NHL on that level? It was crazy, Tyler. Like, uh, I think a couple of months ago in September, Damp called me. Uh, we were uh, we, we first uh, submitted Damp and myself, you know, for the Willie O'Ree, and then his name got put forward, and then he ended up, you know, going from top five to top three. And then in September, he called me and he's like, Lolly, we won. And I'm like, oh my God, three and a half years. We've done a lot of work, right? We go to a lot of conferences uh, to, you know, address, you know, racism in hockey. We, we talked to the GTH, GTHL. Um, I was supposed to go to the business meetings down in uh, Washington, D.C. before COVID hit. We, we work closely with the NHL to, you know, diversify the game and ha- really make sure that minority communities have a positive experience with hockey, right? That's the biggest thing. Because at the end of the day, we want minorities to be felt accepted by hockey, right? It's just like I had some negative experiences in my hockey career. We want to make those positive. And winning the Willie Arita, it just meant so much, not even to us, to me and Dan, but it's meant so much to the South Asian community, right? We have Hockey Night in Canada, Punjabi, right? Harn Ryan. Um, and then the thing with the best part was, I think Harn Ryan was a part of the call that gave uh, Dampy the Willie O'Ree. And, um, you know, it just, it just, it just, it creates us, it, it makes our platform even more um, legitimized and it just gives us another, um, another, another level, you know, to speak out, you know, on, you know, racial injustices, um, problems, you know, that kind of, kind of we're seeing in hockey, right? We want to make hockey uh, diverse. We want to make hockey grow in the right direction. We want to globalize hockey because yeah. to be honest, about it, lots of people around the world love hockey, right? It's just we need to go find them and just make sure that, you know, they're, being, they're having positive experiences. Yeah, and a big part of it is accessibility as well. And and I was reading some yeah. interviews that you guys have done in the past, but, you know, growing ice hockey is a big part of it. But there's other yeah. ways to be in love with yeah. hockey, whether it's road hockey, ball hockey, yeah. things like that. And those that's, these are the conversations we're having with the National Hockey League. It doesn't have to be ice hockey. It can be ball hockey, right? Mm-hmm. I know in, uh, we're, we're in very preliminary talks, but, I mean, there's schools out in India that want to work with us, and we want to bring ball hockey to these to these schools. Right. Obviously, ice is not available, mm-hmm. but the, uh, the ice, ice hockey is in India. Don't get me wrong. It's out in the Himalayas. So back in 2018, there was an Indian national women's hockey team that came to Canada for Haley Wickenheiser's tournament. So we sponsored uh, a part of that for them to come over and we actually coached them. So hockey in India, it's actually it's pretty prominent. Right. You've got field hockey there. There's inline hockey. Uh, there's ice hockey in the Himalayas. And obviously introducing ball hockey would be a big step in the right direction. Just back to the Willie O'Ree Award quickly there. Yeah. Like Some people would look at this and be like, oh, you know, like a finish line of sorts, like something to be really proud of. And it is. Yeah. But for you, to do, does it almost feel like a refresher? Like, does it motivate you even more? Like, hey, we're getting this oh, yeah. recognition. Like the door's open. Let's let's really push it yeah. open now. That's what it felt like. It, uh, usually, you know, when you win a trophy or you're recognized, you know, it's like the finish line. Yeah. I felt like, you know, three and a half years in, we worked our... We always give back, you know, um, through, you know, on-ice initiatives, off-ice, using our voices, using our platforms to speak out. And in three and a half years now, I feel like we're legitimized, and now we can even pursue the larger goals, right? Like the Indian National Mental Olympics team, like a talent showcase, you know, like the ones that they do for BioSteel. Now we can really start pushing these programs here domestically in Canada and even push them out in, out in India, too. It, it's the social issues that are going on right now and the conversation yeah. that started, not just in hockey, but in all sports. Yeah. Th- this is a time where these changes are starting to happen. And uh, this is a broad question, but when you compare the, the culture around hockey to maybe when you were playing AAA growing up to what it is now, like how far along are we? Like, Have there been a lot of positive steps and how much further do we still have to go? I think it, it's definitely um, from where when I played and when Dab definitely played, it's definitely changed. And I think these issues are coming to light now. Yeah. Right. Three and a half years ago, obviously, you know, these, the social issues, the racial issues were not at the forefront of media, but now it is. Right. So now I'm finding that now we're working, you know, you know, with the NHL, 
with the Oilers. We want to be working with the National Hockey League teams, you know, in Canada and the U.S. to talk about how do we solve these problems? How do we navigate through this, right? And we've been talking about, you know, different positions in the NHL, right? Creating a new position that would kind of overlook um, relations, that team relations with minority communities. Because at the end of the day, Tyler, these some of the players, I know it is a predominantly Caucasian-dominated league, mm. but there's minorities in, in hockey as well. And if we can allow these players to represent the communities, the minority communities that they do, you'll see that hockey grows a lot quicker and it's going to get more diverse. And to be honest, it'll get it'll it'll go on that path that we you know we see the NBA on. We we had this conversation uh, earlier in the week on one of our other podcasts here at Oilers Nation. But a big part of it too is marketing these players, right? The, the players yep. that come from the, these backgrounds get their stories out there so that yep. the next kid who's sitting at home, who's watching Sportsnet, who's glued to his TV all the time watching yep. hockey, so he sees that, right? Like a big part of it's yep. getting that storytelling out there. That's the storytelling. That's what we do with our platform, right? We expose, basically, when I played Tyler, I was very invisible to my community when I played. My community did not know about me. So when we find these prominent athletes, we want to see, we want to expose them on our, on our social media. I actually have, there's a, I think there's a handful of girls from our community that play uh, Canadian University hockey. They've earned scholarships. And I actually had a parent, he has a couple of daughters from our community, and I think he's out in Vancouver. And he DM'd us and he said, wow, Lolly, I didn't know there's girls in our community that worked hard, earned scholarships, and now they're playing university-level hockey. He honestly said his girls look up to them. That's what I want to see, right? That's where you're going to see the biggest difference. Or even I uh, was in a, an event for the Edmonton Oil Kings here a couple of years ago, and we saw kids in our community wearing uh, Jodar Kara jerseys. And I went up to them, like, oh, like, who's your favorite player? They're like, we love Jodar. We started playing ice hockey because of Jodar, right? This is the type of impact, right? And then I think it comes back to, yes, we do need to market, I think, the minorities that currently play in the NHL. I think that's really going to grow the game. And there's so, you've gone through so many things that you guys are working on or you're in talks in. Uh, like, how, how tough has COVID kind of been on you guys? Like, what, what are some ways you've been maybe trying to just grind through this? I mean, the way every, every business and initiative yeah. and charity has, but how, how yeah. difficult has it been on you guys? It's been, I know it's been tough on me on ice. I think this, uh, this past summer, we didn't do our annual hockey camp for up in hockey in, uh, in Edmonton, Calgary. But the thing is, you know, with COVID, um, a lot of the stuff we do is, um, you know, through conferences. Obviously, everything got turned into, uh, you know, Zoom calls now. Mm-hmm. But overall, like, we keep pushing our uh, social media impact, right? Um, we just got, um, on, like, after we won the Willie O'Ree, Bauer reached out. We just got donated 800 pieces of equipment to our, uh, to our, uh, to our organization. And I sent about 100 pieces. We got about 200 pieces out in uh, Toronto, 100 pieces out in Vancouver, and the rest are split between Edmonton and Alberta. That's right, Edmonton and Calgary. And we're going to give, you know, families, and it, it's regardless of the South Asian community, families that have been affected by COVID, um, kids that are just interested in hockey, we want to be able to provide them, you know, hockey sticks, some skates, especially with COVID going on, you know, go play on the ODR, right? We want to get these kids involved. 100%. Uh, if people want to help out or if they want to learn a little bit more, uh, where are you guys at? What's the website? What's the Twitter handles? What's all that? Yeah. So the Twitter handle is Apna Hockey, APNA Hockey. The same goes for uh, Instagram. Instagram is our probably our most um, active uh, social media outlet. We also have Facebook. It's under Apna Hockey School. And you can just shoot us a DM if you want to get involved or help us out. Um, again, I know it's COVID, but once hopefully a vaccine comes out, we can start rolling out the programs again. Lolly Tour, founder, president of Apna Hockey. I really appreciate this, man. This was a good chat. We'll do it again soon. Thanks, brother. All right, there we go. Great chat with Lolly Tour, of course. Bag milk for a throwback to you. This is brought to you by Cornerstone Insurance. Check them out. Cornerstone Insurance. Solid protection. Sound advice. Check them out online. Shout out to Cornerstone for setting up that great chat. Thank you very much, Tyler. Thank you to everybody for listening to this. Episode 113 of Oilers Nation Radio wouldn't be possible without all of you. Every single one of you that allows us into your ear holes on a weekly basis. And of course, our friends at Short for the Giant, SkipTheDishes.ca, Cornerstone Insurance, and Codigo Tequila for making this all possible. My ask of all of you, I know I ask for podcast reviews. If you want to do that, please leave them. I will read them. 
as I did earlier in the podcast, but I also am asking you to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ON Radio Podcast. For myself, Tyler, Rick, and Nation Dan, I want to thank you for being here and for listening, for subscribing, and telling all of your friends about Oilers Nation Radio. That's episode 113. Have a great weekend, everybody. Shout out, Damien. Best wishes. Thanks for listening to Oilers Nation Radio, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Make sure to follow us on all of our social media to stay up to date and never miss a podcast. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.